Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Fantasy Contillary Podcast. I'm your host, Dylan Chapin. For those listening on Tuesday, happy Halloween. And with the holiday in mind, this episode will be a bit of a trick-or-treat style with some recommendations and avoids for Week 9. Starting at quarterback, it sort of feels like everyone is a trick. The position is in as bad a shape as I could remember. This week we have... Mac Jones versus the Commanders and Zach Wilson versus the Chargers, both currently in the top 15 of our rankings. So that shows how shaky the position is right now. But Jones in particular, I feel pretty good about. So we'll hope that's a treat. The Commanders are allowing the second most fantasy points per game to opposing quarterbacks. And the only ones to not reach at least 21 fantasy points in a game against them have been in the opener, Josh Dobbs, and a few weeks ago, Desmond Ritter, and he still had 300 yards and a couple of scores. So Jones made another bad throw last week in the loss of Miami that Jalen Ramsey intercepted. But I think the Patriots will have a game plan to attack Washington's secondary. And if you're in need of a streaming option, Jones is a borderline QB1, QB2, with the hopes that he puts up decent numbers through there. It'll help that the game comes at home. And that is also true for Zach Wilson with the Chargers visiting on Monday night. Los Angeles is actually allowing the most fantasy points per game to opposing quarterbacks. And Wilson's confidence continues to grow, making plays at the right time to get some wins for New York. So it's shaky, but he's another guy that I'll view as a treat that hopefully won't turn out to be a trick. And the overall state of the position shows that it's important to invest in backup options, especially if your starting quarterback hasn't had his bye week yet. So Jared Goff, for example, is someone that, even with Detroit entering the bye week, should remain rostered, and other options to hold on to or invest in include Geno Smith, even with Seattle not being at the best offensively, as they head to Baltimore this week. So a difficult matchup, but he's still a QB1 play. And the same is true for Sam Howell. The matchup isn't that tough versus New England, and Howell should be able to put up numbers. He's thrown 40-plus passes in for the past five games. I am a bit concerned that Bill Belichick will know how to defend them, and force Howell into mistakes. But Eric Bieniemy loves to throw the ball, which makes Howell worth investing in both this week and beyond. And then for the trick for this week, I would just say Will Levis on a short week taking on the Steelers in Pittsburgh. The rookie was great in his debut, but he was given plenty of time to uncork a couple of deep balls to DeAndre Hopkins, and I don't see the Steelers allowing that to happen. Dealing with pressure was perhaps the biggest flaw for Levis coming out of Kentucky. So many might be eager to get him in lineups, but we have him as more of a low-end QB2, even with the overall shaky outlook at quarterback. For the running backs, we have Saquon Barkley as the top play of Week 9. He handled 36 carries in the overtime loss to the Jets, but now we'll take on a Las Vegas defense that has been absolutely shredded over the past couple of games by first the Chicago backfield, and then Jameer Gibbs. So based on their inability to tackle, Barkley is the top play of the week and should carry monster upside, both in redraft leagues and DFS lineups. A couple of treats in the RB10 to RB20 range. We like Ramondre Stevenson versus the Commanders. We'll see if a move is made a little over four hours from the deadline as I record this, but Washington could end up moving at least one defensive player. And with how things have gone for them, a close loss to the Eagles could be followed up by a disappointing outing 
in New England. So Stevenson only had, I think, 10 carries last week. The Patriots have to know they need to be more balanced to have success. And hopefully they also get Stevenson involved in the screen game or passing game in order to move the offense. And Rashad White is somewhat of a discount version of Stevenson right now. Stevenson obviously hasn't lived up to expectations so far, but White is a similar volume type option. The Bucks were rotating him with Keyshawn Vaughn and Chase Edmonds last Thursday night in the first half, but they allowed White to take over in the second half, and he showed very well. So his RB2 case is strengthened, and hopefully he can pay off for fantasy owners again this week versus the Texans. Now for some committee-type options to consider. The best one is Royce Freeman taking on the Packers, who have struggled versus the run. It's a split between him and Daryl Henderson Jr., but Freeman has looked a little better. Found the end zone last week, so we have him a few spots higher in the rankings. And whether or not Matthew Stafford plays, the Rams should rely on the running game in order to move the ball on the road. And I mentioned Stevenson. I also like Ezekiel Elliott this week in that matchup versus Washington. Zeke played 42% of the offensive snaps in Week 8, and the issues that Washington has at linebacker could allow both him and Stevenson to have success if they're able to reach the second level. And again, the commanders could end up moving at least one defensive lineman to weaken their stoutness up front. So as a flex, I like Zeke this week. And I want to mention again, Zach Charbonnet. I'm assuming Kenneth Walker was dealing with a calf injury, but Charbonnet looked great behind him. And the Seahawks going with more of a split can give him weekly standalone value. But at worst, he's a premium, no doubt, top handcuff in fantasy and should already be rostered in all leagues. Running back is another one with, I guess there's not too many tricks. This week, I still like James Cook in a potential shootout versus the Bengals, but long-term, it might be worth looking into what you can get back in a trade for him. Buffalo was already leaning on Latavius Murray quite a bit. He's made a couple of starts, and Leonard Fournette, signed to the practice squad, could easily emerge, similar to how he did in Tampa Bay different situation. He was the guy in Tampa Bay, but but Fournette was a tough between-the-tackles runner and a trusted target out of the backfield for Tom Brady. So the same happening for Josh Allen is certainly possible and could be a drain on Cook's value to make him more of a low-end RB2 flex option rather than a pure RB2 play. And the other trick I mentioned last week, Alexander Madison seemed to be losing his grip on the lead job. He ended up out carrying Cam Akers last week, but Akers led the way early before Madison essentially closed it out. So those still banking on the volume for Madison might be disappointed in future games when Minnesota plays from behind. I'm sure Kevin O'Connell, no matter who was under center, will want to run the ball, but Madison gets a big downgrade for our rest of season rankings with Akers surpassing him. So if you held him through week eight, it might be a good idea to see if there are any takers for Madison that might want to trade for him based on the volume. And for the wideouts, CD Lamb is another option we gave some advice about in previous weeks, saying to buy low while you can. The window has clearly slammed shut with a huge performance last week in a blowout win over the Rams. So Lamb should draw weekly high-end wide receiver one consideration. This week, he'll take on an Eagles defense that has struggled to defend the pass. James Bradbury and Darius Slay have not performed how they did in 2022. So look for Dak Prescott to lean on Lamb 
as they try to knock off the Eagles in Philadelphia. The other buy low option we've mentioned is Devontae Smith, who broke out with 99 yards and a score last week against the Commanders. I'm sure there will be low floor games throughout the second half of the year, but the upside of Smith makes him someone that you probably should keep in lineups. We have him as a top 10 play versus Dallas. And last season's second matchup on Christmas Eve included Smith catching eight passes for 113 yards and two scores. So I like him to follow up last week with another big game. I mentioned Matthew Stafford might be out this week and perhaps beyond even. The situation seems to be up in the air. I think the Rams trying to sign John Wolford from the Buccaneers practice squad is an indication that Stafford will miss time. So Cooper Cup is too good to bench. He remains a wide receiver one play. But Puka Nakua should be downgraded to the low end wide receiver two ranks. This week especially, he'll see a lot of Jair Alexander. So the rookie will have some more volatility than you'd like. And he's no longer a must start with the Rams sputtering a bit offensively. For this week, a few guys I'd rather play include George Pickens versus the Titans, Chris Godwin versus the Texans, and Terry McLaurin versus New England. For McLaurin, maybe he'll be the guy that Bill Belichick tries taking away, but the Patriots simply might not have the options at cornerback right now. We saw last week both Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill have big games against them, so I like McLaurin as a wide receiver too. And Jahan Dotson passing 100 yards last week and scoring makes him a more confident flex play. And the commanders having Curtis Samuel deal with a foot injury seem to open up more targets for Dotson and make him a more central part of the offense. So with how much the commanders throw under Eric Bieniemy, both guys are worth starting with hopes that, as I mentioned before, Belichick doesn't come out with a game plan to slow down Sam Howell. Now for a couple of rookie wide receiver three options this week. Rasheed Rice has been a treat all month for the Chiefs and fantasy owners. He's only seen 20 targets in four games, but he's taken full advantage of his opportunities with fantasy point totals of 11.3, 9.2, 14.5, and 7.6 over that span. I would think at some point for Kansas City to maximize their offensive potential and get out of the slump they've been in, that Rice will be close to a full-time player, and he has the talent and obviously the quarterback to rise closer to the wide receiver two ranks, and he's worth starting as an upside flex this week for a potential shootout versus the Dolphins in Germany. And then the other rookie is Demario Douglas, who should see a big uptick in his role with Kendrick Bourne done for the year with a torn ACL. Last week, Douglas saw seven targets. It was a quiet day with just 25 yards on five grabs, but he's seen a carry in back-to-back weeks as New England tries getting the ball in his hands. And playing a season-high 77% of the offensive snaps is a great sign for his rest-of-season outlook. So Douglas is another option that gets a big boost in our rest-of-season rankings, which release every Wednesday. And then for the tricks, I mentioned Puka Nakua. The others would be Jordan Addison, just because of the uncertainty at quarterback for Minnesota right now. And the same is true for Arizona. I don't think Kyler Murray will start until next week when they take on the Falcons at home. So rookie Clayton Toon will likely draw the start in a tough road matchup versus Cleveland. So it might be difficult to trust Marquise Brown, although he is a good by-low target with the hopes that him and Murray are able to quickly get on the same page and put up some numbers down the stretch. 
finishing things off at tight end. Last week, I mentioned Dalton Kincaid hopefully finding the end zone for the first time in his career. That ended up happening, and I'm just mad that I wasn't more aggressive in trying to acquire him in my own league. The talent has been obvious for anyone that watched him dating back to his days at Utah. He's catching passes from Josh Allen, and now with Dawson Knox being out with a wrist injury, the door is wide open for Kincaid to take over and become a difference maker the rest of the way. This week, we have him as our overall tight end three and someone that could be an X-factor in a matchup against the Bengals, who the Bills have not been at the best against in recent years. For Kyle Pitts, we have him as the tight end six with the expectation that Atlanta will go to Taylor Heineke at quarterback. Head coach Arthur Smith says the decision will be made by Wednesday, and the way the winds have blown seem to suggest Heineke will end up getting the start, and that's good news for Pitts with the veteran being more likely to maybe push the ball a bit, put it in danger in order to give his playmakers a chance to make plays. And at the rate at which the Vikings bring pressure, there should be some one-on-one opportunities this week for Pitts. But for those who don't want to keep rolling with him, there are a handful of solid options. Somehow tight end is now in better shape than quarterback. So a handful of guys behind him would be Jake Ferguson, in a potential shootout versus the Eagles. Taysom Hill, who was featured last week and can go off if featured again versus Chicago. The concern I have is maybe New Orleans not needing to lean on Hill as much, taking on the Bears at home, but he's a definite top 10 option, even with Juwan Johnson back, and it doesn't make sense for the Saints to pull back on Hill's usage after their best offensive showing of the year. A couple of guys with tougher matchups this week, David Njoku versus the Cardinals and Trey McBride versus Cleveland. They rank 1-2 and two in points per game allowed to opposing tight ends. But on the bright side, both are priorities in their respective offenses. So both P.J. Walker and Clayton Toon should look to them, including in scoring territory. And then finally, it's unclear if he'll play, but Gerald Everett takes on a Jets defense that has struggled to defend opposing tight ends. So Everett is worth considering as a streamer. And if he's out again, Donald Parham Jr. will be at least a strong tight end too in a plus matchup after scoring last week. So that will conclude this episode. Again, if you're listening on Tuesday, happy Halloween. And no matter when you're listening, you can find our full rankings and analysis on wolfsports.com. And we'd be happy to answer any questions you might have. Until next time, I'm Dylan Shapin, and this was the Fantasy Concierge Podcast.